Hello, I am Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour. I'm joined for the second ever episode of my new weekly podcast from Mel Plus by my friend and co-presenter Imogen Edwards-Jones. Hello Imogen, how are you today? Very well, how are you? Mm. Not too bad, nice weather. I'm a little bit sweated to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been getting your summer wardrobe out? I've been doing that. I have but I can't fit into it. the problem <laughs> that is always an issue isn't it mine's quite elasticated in fairness anyway coming up on today's show how much work is too much as a cosmetic clinic in manchester sparks criticism for turning hundreds of women into spock lookalikes i'm speaking to an expert cosmetic surgeon and dermatologist dr wasim takduk about how not to take your tweakments too far and we're joined by model and actress linda lusadi who tells us all about her near-death experience with covid Plus, Jonathan Ross has stepped out carrying an enormous handbag. Fashion writer Simon Glazen will be trying to change my mind on the Merce. But first, tennis ace Naomi Osaka has quit the French Open after refusing to speak to the press, she says, to protect her mental health. Is she right? I'll be speaking to psychologist Emma Kenny. Tennis's world number two, Naomi Osaka, has withdrawn from the French Open this week. Her decision came after she refused to speak to the media at the tournament. Osaka tweeted that she had suffered long bouts of depression since winning her first Grand Slam title in 2018 and said that the conferences sparked her anxiety. She was fined $15,000, that's about £10,000, for not doing her post-match media on Monday. So, I'm joined now by psychologist and presenter Emma Kenny to talk to me about Naomi. Emma, hello. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, what do you think? I, I, I'm a bit sort of conflicted. I feel a bit sorry for her, actually. Oh, you know, I know lots of people yeah. don't, and they're all cross, and they think that she should do it as part of her job. But I sort of, she's very young; she's twenty-three, and I do think that those press conferences can be very galling. And I think I I'd agree. Struggle. I would have struggled a lot when I was that age. I think as well. What people don't understand is that just because somebody can perform amazingly on a tennis court doesn't mean that they feel that they can perform in other Mm. situations that are provoking anxiety. So, for example, if you're dealing with depression and anxiety disorder, you don't act in a way to everybody as if you're depressed and anxious. But there will be triggers that place you in a position where your control level drops and you just can't manage it Mm. effectively. So that's what's happened for her. The pitch is not the place where the problem is. It's the after analysis. Mm. And her mental health is in a different state at the moment. It is in a state of decline. She's acknowledged it. There's not a lot more you can do than to say, look, this is the reason. It might not fit the narrative that you want Mm. or like or believe, but this is real for me. And actually, when they've done research, really high-level athletes actually have higher levels of depression Mm. than the average population. Well, they tend to be very hard on themselves, don't they? Because obviously you have to be in order to be a high-level athlete. And I think they can also be often quite introverted. I'm I'm a bit of an introvert, and I absolutely I really struggle with public speaking. People are always asking me to come and do public speaking, thinking that I'll be, you know, mm. absolutely sort of well up for it. I, I and it, it actually paralyzes me with fear. I can't do it at all. So that's why I have a bit of sympathy for her. And my slightly is she's paid to play tennis and not to answer questions. But I also think there's a thing that I think there's a male female thing here, and I think it's quite interesting. Imogen was saying earlier on that. Well, it's 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 the women, elderly mm-hmm. women like Chris Everett, Ma- Na- Martina Navratilova, Virginia Wade, have all come out saying, "Woman up, get on with it. Mm. You're letting the side down. This is all part and parcel of what you entered into. You get paid a huge amount of money, and us women have been fighting this corner for so long to be taken seriously. You know, our prize money isn't even the same mm. as the blokes. So they're sort of slightly cross that she's like them, you know, letting them down and the missing link." 
and stop it and get on with it? And, you know, what did you think you were going to be doing? But isn't that interesting, though, because I wonder whether those women... I mean, I know that, you know, in my profession, in our profession in journalism, you know, we've always had to be sort of quite... We've always had to sort of slightly man up in order yeah. to get ahead. Yeah. And... and be you know, more male than the men. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's always put us, uh, certainly it's put me in a quite an uncomfortable place, but there's no choice when you belong to our generation. Mm. And I think, I think when the young, I think the younger lot are much better at saying, no, thanks. No, thanks. Don't want this. Yeah. I agree. I think one of the things though that's happening here is that people are looking at her gender as if mental health affects it in a different way it affects everybody we've seen footballers take time out because mm. they literally can't handle it anymore we've seen people who are amazing competitors fall into alcoholism and drugs because they can't manage the pressure so the idea that she's actively going against her gender and letting the side down just because she's pulling out because she can't cope it's almost like saying that mental health is exclusively not allowed into the sports arena and I think recently I don't know about you guys but I've seen quite a lot of negativity towards people who talk about mental health in what people consider privileged positions and unfortunately depression anxiety and other mental health issues and diseases and disorders they affect anyone they're not you know they're completely indiscriminate and we've got to have that conversation because otherwise when people are in dire situations and they can't express that because they think well people are going to actively go against me in the press because mm. I've expressed truth then that's going to put people in even more of a dangerous situation so do you think it's a generational thing do you think it's a sort of old school new school thing because because I know that my generation is very much you know just shut up and get on with it and my mother's mm -hmm. generation even more that way yeah absolutely I mean yeah. you know we, 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 we and it's not that we we wouldn't talk about mental health it's just that we felt that you know it, we just you know sometimes you just have to put up with things that you don't like in order to get ahead in life you know and I suppose the older generation of tennis players might think well you know none of us wanted to go and do press conferences but that's just part and parcel of the job and if you want to be a top tennis player that's yeah. what you have to do it's about resilience isn't mm. it about trying to learn to be more resilient mm. Yeah, you can be more. You can learn to be more resilient without a doubt. I think that's a really important yeah. point to note. You're not just born with this absolute or non-absolute situation yeah. where resilience is concerned. You can do it. I guess what has changed a lot, and I would say we do talk a great deal about mental health, but that doesn't mean we're actually doing very much about it. We do know that there is a burgeoning mental health crisis. We know that younger people are much more likely to take their lives than they would have done you know 50 years ago therefore what we're doing in society maybe that we need to check in with which is why this kind of reaction is occurring and of course social media and everything that goes with that kind of constant yeah. microscope on your life i think that is very different than virginia navratilova had to face but do you think do you think there's a case for saying that perhaps the fact that they talk about it all the time and so much just sort of actually in a funny kind of way amplifies it because i do think there's an element of you know everyone brings up mental health i mean this this you know i think asaka just is a bit scared about talking to journalists mm, i'm mm. not sure that that's a mental health issue it's just the normal reaction to having to talk to people who ask like you lots it. of horrible yeah. difficult questions do you know what i mean i don't think that makes mm. you i don't think that makes you mentally ill it just it's completely for me that's a rational response if you don't feel that you can do it then that's that's why I have sympathy for her because I think sometimes in life there are things that you just don't you know want you, to do, you don't yeah. want to do they're not you know you don't really you struggle with them and and if you really can't do them then I don't see why you shouldn't say actually I can't do this so do you think it's a mistake on her part then uh, yes to, so to, in a funny kind of a way I think you know you talk about the sort of rise in in uh, suicide rates among young people what I think is that young people are being encouraged to define themselves as mentally ill a mm. lot more than we used to be and you know 
I, I, I'm not sure, I mean, whilst I'm sure that that's good in some ways, I think there are some other way, aspects in which it becomes almost a sort of, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy. Do you think, do you think that's mm. completely insane? Or do you think that's, that's I, mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say insane in this context, but do you know what I mean? Do you think I'm being, I'm being silly or do you think there's an element of truth in that? No, I don't think you're being harsh because what I think you're trying to get across is the fact that maybe sometimes when we're struggling, we're looking for something to define us so that we have something we can hang mm. our hat on and say, well, that is why I feel or I'm this way. Mm. And that can obviously not be the most positive experience. So the ideal with your mental health is that firstly, we all have mental health issues. Some of us go through lower periods of mental health. Most of us do in our life. It doesn't mean that you have a classified mental illness. Mm. Some of us do develop mental illnesses, which is really severe. But I think young people now are more aware of the fact that these negative feelings do have specific titles like anxiety and mm. depression and health anxiety and all those things that go in between mm. i think that's a good thing but arguably again i don't think that being defined by a label is actually going to get to the root of what the issue is no i think the bigger issue is like you said acknowledging your own level of confidence what you want to do what you don't want to do being more free to speak your truth and use that in a way where you're actually unafraid of the fact that you don't necessarily fit the right paradigm in this case going on press conferences without feeling that you have to explain yourself I think there is a lot of people at the moment who feel they have to explain themselves but part of that is obviously good as well because we know that having a permission base to talk about our mental health is something that's helped people to deal with shall we say suicidality that would have been terrible for them if they hadn't reached out and talked about it the problem we've got is we don't have enough services to actually meet the need do we so that's one of the big problems emma that was fascinating i think we could talk about this for hours thank you so much for joining us and i hope you can join us again thanks for having me jonathan ross was spotted this week rummaging through his two thousand pound lime green gucci leather handbag mm. The presenter was pictured in a 60s-style punk jacket adorned with buckles along with black baggy trousers and shiny leather lace-up boots before taking off in his £24,000 orange Mazda MX-5. Do you think he's having a midlife crisis, Imogen? Well, yes, obviously. But I like the bag. I'm just saying. Okay, okay, fine. Anyway, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about male handbags or mercers, which have seen a renaissance recently, I'm told. Anyway, I personally think it's a bit silly. So I'm not going to be rude about it because I don't want to be thought of as, you know, non-progressive mm. and all that. But I'm going to be joined now by fashion writer Simon Glazen, who is all for the nurse, the nurse, not the nurse. <laughs> <laughs> nurse? No, the nurse. And who's going to try and persuade me that they are a good thing. Simon? Hi, Sarah. Your job is to change Vine's mind and to persuade me that the nurse is, in fact, the way forward. Go. So I think Jonathan is a guy that's never been afraid to make statements with his fashion choices. He loves a man bag or a merce, and he's always carried one. I think now is the time, we're living in an age now where men can get away with wearing what the hell they want, and they can get away with putting stuff in a bag if they want to. Like, it's not, it's something that in the 21st century we should be able to do. I have about 300 merces at home, and uh, they're on rotation. Wow. And I just kind of feel like... <laughs> I feel like Jonathan is someone who embraces his fashion choices and he really like expresses himself through them. And if you're going to do it, do it big. And I think he's done it massively with this green Gucci bag. I just love it. I think it's brilliant. And I think he is also, he's also so um, iconically known to wear, you know, like his very fancy suits on his show. So I kind of feel like this is a way of him to really express who he actually is. He, I mean, he's, let's face it, he's not a man who shies away from colour. He's married to a woman with pink hair. I think he likes the fact that 
people stop and and like notice him i just think he like he's a bit of an extrovert and we embrace extroverts <laughs> so i love it well i have to say i think a lot of what you say is true but i have this problem with handbags which is that for men which is i i sort of i don't know i'm probably really old-fashioned okay and i you know this is my obviously a bad reflection on me but i just like men to have their hands free mm. and if you've got a handbag that's quite debilitating so i'm a very, i'm a i'm a hands-free handbag girl i'm a crossbody girl because oh. i like to be able to do stuff with my hands i find a, a handbag like that very sort of you know it gets in my way the whole time but your bags are presumably so this is just a normal handbag there's no gender to this handbag is there it's a genderless handbag or do you or do you carry like do you have like do you, have, do you have mercers that are like the queen's handbag oh then, that would be great <laughs> do you i mean i'm just interested I would to know love, you know what i would love one of those <laughs> they they're are by fabulous. a brand called lorna aren't yes they? they're, they're are. really they're expensive <laughs> they're really expensive they are really but it's expensive. funny you say that i um my mum had an old gucci bag from she bought it i think in the 90s or 80s or something and she kept it for ages and she actually passed it down to me and i absolutely love wearing it and wow. it's actually like a true handbag mm. so you're probably talking to the wrong or the right person because I right. just generally don't really have when it comes to like gender and fashion I don't it just everything's blurred for me like I don't really care um I don't know I I think I have has has he changed my mind about the oh, big come green on, come on. Oh. 21st century man 21st oh. century man okay I tell you what here's the deal if you send me your mother's old Gucci oh. handbag I'll change my mind <laughs> Listen, I'm keeping that one, but she's got a couple of Birkins. Like okay, that. sling them over. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks very much, Simon. Thanks, guys. That was fashion writer Simon Glazin, who didn't manage to change my mind about that green bag. I'm sorry. You I mean know, thing. I know, I know. I, could, I was too scared to tell him to his face, though. <gasps> He's gone now, so it's fine. I can tell him. I didn't, I didn't agree with you, Simon. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Sarah Vine, and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour. If you enjoy listening, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. If you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus. Linda Lusardi, who um, many of you will remember from her glamour days, has talked publicly about her near-fatal experience with COVID. She was in hospital for 10 days and feared that she might die. Her children, Jack, 20, and Lucy, 24, had to call ambulances for Linda and her husband, who were both severely ill. So we're joined now by model and actress Linda to talk to me about those experiences. Linda, hi. Hi, Sarah. So it's very kind of you to take the time to join us today to talk about your experience with COVID. Tell me what happened. Oh, gosh, where do I start? My husband contracted it. He doesn't really know where. Um, he travels around the country with his work quite a lot, so... He became ill first and was ill for about 10 days with us being told it wasn't COVID because he'd got sickness and diarrhea, which weren't symptoms. And also, we really didn't know much about COVID. It was early March mm. um, 2020. And um, then I got caught it from him and then the children got it and it just went from bad to worse an ambulance was called for me once because I just literally couldn't breathe but again they said because of the symptoms that I'd got which were also sickness and diarrhea along with all the other symptoms I hadn't lost my sense of smell and I wasn't typical um they didn't take me in gosh that's awful didn't they give you a test no there were no tests there were no tests then. at the times no, yes. um, you might get a test in hospital, but mm. they were, you know, it was at the time when we were short of PPE and mm. short of tests and 
Um, yeah. It wasn't something that the ambulance crew carried with them. But also on the, the telly at the time, we were told not to take any steroid or antibiotic because it would make it worse. Um, whereas, you know, and we now know that both of those things improve the symptoms because I was using Sam Brown inhaler because he has asthma. Right, yeah opening my lung space a bit and helping me but I stopped doing that because we would sort of advise not to and then my son called the ambulance when you know I was really really bad and mm. Sam was was bad as well but not quite as bad as me um, and uh, two lady paramedics came and they actually did a blood test to test my blood levels for oxygen and it was so low um, they tested Sam as, as well and they said you're both dangerously low in oxygen in your blood and they took us straight in and on the way they were calling ahead saying we've got two COVID-19 patients here prepare because I don't actually think that hospital had had any in, at that point. And did you go on a ventilator? What, what, was the, what was the protocol? I don't actually think they had a ventilator there, I'm not sure, but they put me on a very high dosage of oxygen yeah. and put me in a room on my own and you know the nurses came in very you know, infrequently because there wasn't enough PP and obviously every time they'd come into the room they had to discard all their, their you know, aprons and masks and everything else. It must else. have been so very was... frightening for you. And did you did you feel that there was a sense of it having taken hold kind of really quickly and without you really... Were you sort of okay one minute and then really not the next? I mean, how did it feel? At first it was bad headache, being hot and cold, but still being able to walk around the house and do things and thinking, oh, I feel dreadful. But wasn't sort of bedridden and it just steadily got worse and worse until you really couldn't get out of your bed because you couldn't make it to the bathroom and that, that's because of you the know, oxygen that, depleton isn't it yeah. because yeah you've got yeah. no oxygen in your blood absolutely and obviously you're not in the right frame of mind because you've got a high temperature which is desperately trying to get down and paracetamol in the end just wasn't strong enough you know so you're kind of in and out of sleep and I was being sick and it was just you know it was just a bit of a nightmare really um but Thank goodness I'm here to tell the tale. How panicked were you? Because the idea of not being able to breathe must be terrifying. Sort of the idea of you're just taking little sips of oxygen. Were you calm or were you really, really frightened? I was frightened, but because of having such a high temperature, I don't think I was really thinking straight. I don't think I realised how ill I was. You know, my son, was he also had COVID. He was, he's 21 but he had sort of four days ill in bed, but then sort of shook it off. So he was kind of dealing with us. And he said, Mum, you just looked like you were going. You just looked like you were fading away. He said you were grey. You didn't look like you. Your skin was a completely different colour. And But as soon as I got to the hospital and that oxygen started to go into my body, I felt so much calmer. Mm. I just thought, oh, gosh, at least someone's taken charge now. And Linda... I don't think, when you know, people who know you won't think of you as a sort of high-risk category at all. I mean, you know, you're, you're slim as a pin and very healthy. And, you know, do the doctors know why it got you so badly? No, they said it just hit some people worse than others. I had my theory right at the very beginning that because just looking at the people that were dying, that it all was sort of Mediterranean or ethnic minorities, that dark-skinned, Mm. I've been told before that I do have very thin blood and thin veins. I just think that somehow, I don't know, maybe the lung tissue is thinner 
in mm. people that come from hot countries. Yes, originally. it does seem to be very genetic, doesn't it? And do you feel okay now or do you have any symptoms of long COVID, which we know is a big problem, especially for, weirdly for women? Lots of women seem to mm. have it. Yes, it seems very female. It seems to be a very female thing, doesn't mm. it? It did take a long time. Um, I couldn't remember what day of the week or people's names. It was like really worrying. Um, but it is. it has, I feel, come back nearly. I would say I'm 19 five percent back to although you know we're all a bit of a couch potato now so i could do with doing some more exercise so <laughs> my energy levels aren't quite back where they were but i think that's just the general nation isn't it mm. and have you been have you found i mean have you found anything that's helped particularly in terms of getting you back to health have you been doing anything any sorts of exercise or i mean pilates i've done a bit of pilates but um you know i do need to, i really do need to get back in the gym because like everyone else you on the lockdown layers yes i've rather enjoyed not being able to go to the gym secretly i'm afraid <laughs> i know but i actually don't enjoy it because i'm not one of those no. people that can't wait to get down the gym i, I, really I don't think anyone enjoys going to the gym really. no it's just i think they just lie don't you think it's a form linda? of purgatory it's a form of purgatory are your children all right now linda are they okay as well yeah they're absolutely fine and getting on with their lives again everything's coming back which is absolutely brilliant i've just been confirmed for pantomime which was cancelled oh, last year in Whitley so Bay. So the pantos are back. Excellent. Fantastic. Excellent. What's, yeah. What part have you got? Do you know? I'm the Wicked Queen and she's Snow White in Snow White. So at Brilliant. Uh, Whitley Bay. So well, I'm really glad you're fun. better. And I'm also really glad that you're going to be in Panto. And it's really nice of you to talk to us. And I wish you and your family all the best. Thank you, Linda. Thank you so much. That was Linda Lusardi, model and actress, coming to a Panto stage near you soon. So Imogen, I don't know, have you seen this thing on the internet about fox eyes? Foxy eyes, how exciting. <laughs> Apparently it's a surgical procedure where you can have little threads put in at the, uh, your temples and it lifts your eyes and it turns them into sort of kind of, you know, cat eyes. Right. Anyway, there's been a story this week about this clinic um, that has been slammed for offering women this treatment and some say that they look like they're Spock from Star Trek Excellent, so what, you're supposed to make you look more feline? And, yes, they make and you look more Anyway, Bella Hadid has had them, so right. they, of everybody but I'm just, I just well, they're, I very, think, they're very young, these girls they're sort of, you know, they're sort of 20, they're not like us, they're not wrinkled old prunes. So I quite like Yes, I know, eye. well we would both like a cat's eye because it would be a, well, it would just make us look awake, awake, awake. Yes. just awake or alive yes. That would be good. Yes, I agree with you. Although yes. I think if I had a cat's eye, the rest of me would look very oh my, odd. No, by don't do it. You're doing it now. No, no that looks no? a little bit weird. weird? No, no. <laughs> no. Okay. Anyway, we are joined today by Dr. Wasim Taktuk, owner of the Taktuk Clinic in London and one of London's best tweakment meisters. I don't know if that's a word. But king anyway, of the tweak. He's king of the tweak. Dr. Wasim, hello. Hi. So what is the fox eye treatment? Can you explain it to us? So yeah, you, you, you touched on it pretty much there. This is, this is the rage that's happening where the corner of the, the eyebrows are sort of lifted quite dramatically. Um, almost, it was also known as cat eye and sort of a feline kind of appearance. And it opens up the eyes and it, there's a couple of different ways to do this technique. But uh, okay. I do think it's, uh, it's been a little bit overdone in terms of being pushed onto our, our younger ones. But I mean, if you're me and you're 973 years old, it's probably quite a good idea to have a bit of a lift around the eye. But if you're sort of 19 and you're totally altering the shape of your face, aren't you? Absolutely. Well, you're still growing a lot of the times. And I, and, uh, and I think a lot of the times uh, many younger girls slip under the radar as well and are having these procedures. Uh, thanks to, I, believe, I believe a law has just been passed uh, preventing that from happening. But yes, they are too young to be having it. Um, and we really, really should not be publicising 
or advertising to anyone um, below a certain age. Yeah, Imogen can, wants to ask a question. Can I ask you a question, Dr. Wesley? Ask so, away, Imogen. Uh, so I was always, I've had quite a few procedures. No, you I'm just putting it out there. A few. Um, but I was always told never to touch the eyes because they're the really the difficult one. I mean, aren't they the most difficult thing to do and, and to get right? Because the idea you've got one eyebrow higher than the other or one, <laughs> one eye going way towards the right. I mean, that, that's quite a dangerous procedure for everyone to be doing, isn't it? It is. I mean, I think you're, you're right. And obviously, the, the symmetry is really, really important um, when it comes to the eyes. There are so many treatments that you can do in the eyes. But yeah, the symmetry uh, would be a problem with the fox eye as well. But also, it's, it's not that it, I don't think they last as long as we're saying that they do, especially when they're done with threads. Mm. Um, you can do a lot of treatments with eyes. You can rejuvenate eyes. You can do Botox around the eyes. There's other things that you can do without necessarily having to tug on the eyebrow itself. But isn't the, is, isn't the thing about this, see, I always think that the, the whole point of a tweakment is to make yourself look like a slightly better version of yourself, mm. right? Okay, that's what I would want. That's what I want. from. Uh, for, I don't want to look like someone else. I don't want to look like Bella Hadid. <laughs> I mean, if I was born like Bella Hadid, obviously that would be fine, but I'd still quite like to be recognisably me. And I think that's yeah. that's the difference. These things, that this this kind of stuff crosses over into a different realm where you're basically saying... I, I, you know, I, N- not even your phone will recognise you after that. <laughs> <laughs> there is a story there, you know. <laughs> oh, is there? It, no, but it's true. It, I, I think there is a there is a problem with with everyone wanting to have this sort of generic, uniform look. Mm. Um, we're we're kind of losing sight of people's individuality, and it's important. You know, even in the consultation, the first thing we talk about is what do you like about yourself before we even delve into what you don't like about yourself. And it's about picking those features and working around those to bring out the best of those rather than altering people um, in their entirety. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. What's the most popular eye procedure that you get asked for? Is it, is it the under-eye well, troughs? Because that's the thing yeah, I need. So I, yeah, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's generally... I think we're wearing masks all the time now. So people mm. are focusing so much more on the eyes, on the movements of the eyes, the communication is through the eyes now, um, much more than before. So people are much more wary of their eyes. And I think, you know frown lines have always been there between the eyebrows. The tear trough filler, quite right. So that's to, to fill in the sunken grooves underneath the eyes to give a more refreshed appearance. Um, closed feet, we do. Um, we soften those a bit. Um, we can do brow lifts with, with, with Botox as well. And that can open up slightly hooded eyebrows. So there's, there's, there's a first few sort of, I, I find that a sort of multimodal approach uh, works best um, to give a really refreshed eye, mm. um, especially if that's, like I said, all you're going to be doing under that mask. <sighs> Okay, well, I'm not going to have the uh, not going to have the fox eye. I don't. Oh, think. go on, no, Sarah. I love you. N- neither of it. you are to have it. I ban you both. <laughs> I hope that it goes away along with the uh, with yeah. the, uh, the end of the Kardashians that trend. Oh yes. gosh, please. Yeah, but... Well, thank you, Doctor. It was so nice to talk to you, and I hope we can get you back on the show again for other strange questions I... about odd things that people <laughs> doing to their faces. Thank you so so much for having me. That was Doctor Wasim Taktuk, owner of the Taktuk Clinic in London. This week we found out that we're going to celebrate the Queen's, what is it? Platinum, Platinum Jubilee. That's right. I was going to say diamond, but we've done that. Yeah. Um, next year with a four-day bank holiday weekend. Wow. I, I'm very excited. What are you going to do, Imogen? Probably drink a lot. Yes. <laughs> 
I think I think that's fantastic news. It's fantastic news. It would be dependent. Could, hopefully, the weather will be nice. Because no, it'll rain. Obviously, do you think it'll rain? Yes, oh. it'll deliberately rain. I, I mean, God's already putting the date in His diary. Going yes. must rain, and also send also some of those nice hailstones that are really big and that really hurt when they hit you. Yes, that's that's what's happening there. Well, there'll be a lot of street parties. I'm thinking there will be, and we'll soldier on. Yes. Anyway, we're joined now by the Daily Mail's Robert Hardman. So I just wanted to talk to you about this bank holiday, this four-day bank holiday that they've announced for the Queen's Jubilee next year. Do you know anything else about it? Well, it's going to be one of those great events, rather like we saw in the summer of 2012, that wonderful Olympic summer. Yeah. We had the uh, four days of, uh, of really the country coming together. And we're going to sort of see that again. We'll have a, a, a huge military parade that we street parties, and there's going to be a giant concert at the palace. So... And um, perhaps we might even once again see Brian May up on the up roof, on the roof of the palace. <laughs> I mean, I hope the country Wasn't goes. That com- a great moment. Yeah, I think the country should just go completely over the top, don't you? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I want to go yeah. all out. I mean, I remember. Was it two thousand and two? Her golden jubilee. Yes, that's right. It was, yeah, two thousand and two was Brian May on the roof. Yes. and uh, sort of parade down the mall, and then twenty twelve was that um, splendidly chaotic river pageant where everybody got hypothermia and sick and wet. Oh, that was really, yes. That was brilliant. <laughs> that, yes. Was, that was very English. Uh, <laughs> it was very English and then at the end of it, Prince Philip sort of got, got, a, got, a, got a chill. And he got pneumonia or something. <laughs> but the show had to go on. And the yes. following night, we still had a great big concert outside Buckingham Palace with yeah. Robbie Williams and, and Paul McCartney and people like that. So, um, you know, and, and these, these are great moments, and, and this is going to be. You know, we we we'd only ever had one diamond jubilee in, when we before when we had the one in 2012. We've never had a platinum jubilee. Wow! But no, has no good. one has ever had one, have they? I mean, she's the first person in the uh, history of the world. She's not quite the first. No, I'm, I'm afraid Louis the Fourteenth of France actually picked it. Oh, <laughs> really? They didn't, they didn't really do jubilees in those days. You just sort of to attention or you had your head chopped off yes. so, uh, <laughs> this will be the first proper jubilee I think what, so he was there for, he was on the throne for more than 70 years was he was that because he came yeah, he, he, he became he inherited king. as a boy king ah yeah. okay oh, so he was about he, four he was, he was a little boy when he came to the throne whereas she was 25 so he did have a bit of a head start <sighs> that's annoying though but she's not competitive about these things she never has been because in her view, I mean, you know, the, 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 the reason she's had such a long reign is, is, is a sad reason. It's because it means yeah. her father died young. Yeah. So for her, it's never been something to be particularly proud about. But she is conscious that the rest of us will go completely do lally and that therefore this must be um, celebrated properly. Yes. And four days. I mean, that's quite a lot of pims, isn't it? Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pims, a lot of bunting. Yes. That was Robert Hardman, our indefatigable royal general expert about everything brilliant type person and it's the fun part of the show where we talk about the woo-woo prime minister boris johnson tied the knot with his fiance carrie simmons on saturday in a secretly planned wedding at westminster cathedral so what can the stars tell us about the new mr and mrs johnson astrologer Teresa chung is with us hello so tell us what do you see in their stars please well in their stars they're a combination of air and water you know, um, <laughs> and it also what's interesting with with the Dominic Cummings and, and Matt Hancock is we've got we've got double air water, but no grounding earth. Oh, which probably yeah. explains some of the chaos in that unpredictable square. What star sign is Dom? He's fire. He's he's a, he's a, a shooting archer. Ah. You know, he's speculative and combustible yeah. and um, 
wants to attach himself to a cause and a person he believes in and he would have found it very difficult adjusting to you know the sparkling floaty Carrie Simmons who came on the scene with all her sparkle because that's yes. what I, I, I in her sign it's a day of sparkle and that's what attracted Boris to her with all these serious heavy politicians she brings the sparkle and the light I think of her more as his muse than his boss Okay, oh. that's interesting. I think she inspires him. Yes. That's what I think. Um, but Dominic Cummings, he needs to strike out on his own. That's what his sign is all about. It's right. someone who's deeply attached to a cause or a purpose. But he needs I, you know, to I, do, I don't own. think after his performance in the last couple of weeks, he's going to have any problems striking out on his own. <laughs> <laughs> Quite honestly, I think that's going to be the only option yes. left to him. He'll be the lone ranger. Uh, <laughs> bless him. But May the 29th. Their their wedding May the twenty ninth. What a day! A day of spinning plates. It's the uh, it's the birthday of Kennedy. Um, of 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 keeping everything juggling. Um, and it's, um, it's also the day when you know this year Mercury went retrograde. So mm. you know the key thing is edits. You know change. But isn't edit, that change. isn't that interesting though? Because Mercury retrograde is supposed to be the enemy of all you know well laid plans, and yet their well their well laid plans all went according to plan because they did it in complete secrecy no one knew yeah i know it's controlled chaos isn't it I yeah mean, <laughs> well that yes, is boris, that is true. boris yeah. that is the definition of boris johnson is controlled, <laughs> controlled chaos. chaos Teresa, from the, the date there is an old saying marry in may rue the day <laughs> is it is it a good was it a good day to get married for them i know it's the spinning plates but it, it's a very progressive day it's a day of shifts and changes and um, mixed signals sometimes but it is a day of being very switched on great energy volatile energy though so that's what they need to watch it's going to be a very volatile relationship it already is I think yes it's going to be more red wine on the sofa more red wine on the sofa more (laughs) rows that's good they need to balance their hedonism with their altruism I mean that's the drives within the both and they've got you know they seem incompatible those two you know the hedonism and the altruism which is 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 about this day but if they can find a balance between that it's going to work are they going to be happy is my question I don't know if they want to be happy I don't I think I think they just want the adventure that's wow. what I think. I think it's going to be volatile. They're going to learn a lot from each other. They both need each other in different ways. As I said, I think she is Boris's muse. And she's just wanting to experience. She's excited by it all. And she's full of ideas and youthful optimism. That's where it is at the moment. So, so, so she's like, basically no his term. Viagra. <laughs> Well, anyway, let's. I I wish them all the best. I mean, you know, let's hope it works. He needs her. He does. He needs Mm. her. Otherwise, I think he'd find it very dull and tedious. Yes, I think it is very dull and tedious being prime minister. Actually, Mm. it won't be dull with her. Thank you. So nice (laughs) to talk to you again. Take care. If you enjoy listening, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus or me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You've been listening to the Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you. Thank you.